Welcome to the River Downstream, our podcast. Here are a couple announcements about what is happening this week at the river. We are still running our Drop Your Gaunch campaign in partnership with Bissell Center. Everyone who has donated the physical undergarments and those who have financially contributed are highly appreciated. Underwear has been highlighted as a need during this campaign, but Bissell has let us know that even more specifically, we are in need of bras, these include sports bras or molded bras, and children's underwear. You can drop packages off on Sundays or donate through the typical channels. And thank you for the incredible support. Everyone has been incredibly generous through the summer, which we appreciate as we learn and grow through our partnerships. Now over to Paul to lead us into the message. All right, well, good morning, friends. I invite you to stand if you're able today. As we enter into worship, I wanted to read these words from Psalm 95, where we have this invitation. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into God's presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to God with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In God's hand are the depths of the earth, and the heights of the mountains are God's also. The sea is God's, for God made it, and God's hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down, and let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for God is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. This is God's invitation to you this morning. Today, if you hear God's voice, do not Harden your hearts. And I love that reminder. We are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Every one of us counted. Every one of us matters. Every one of us a focus of our good shepherd this morning. God has a, a plan in mind for you being here. God's spirit has invited you into this place. And so today, just as the psalmist writes, if you hear God's voice, please don't harden your hearts. Be open to whatever it is that God has for you this morning. You join us as we sing. So here we are in the um, middle of the Lord's Prayer. We passed through the uh, the midpoint last time we met, and we're on to the uh, fifth request here. And um, we're going to be reading Lord's Day. Uh, we're using the Heidelberg Catechism to help us uh, to understand each of the words. And we spoke a minute earlier about, I, will, I don't want to miss one word you speak. But I think the Lord also would like to know that um, he doesn't want to miss one word we speak either. And, and as we speak intentionally with the Lord our God, which is why we're learning how to pray and how to pray the Lord's Prayer as we were taught by Jesus. And so we're using the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 51. It's on the sheets in front of you. Uh, allow me to pray and then we'll read that together. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, and Holy Spirit, we pause here in the middle of this conversation just to acknowledge you. We know that you've been present. We know that you are with us and for us. Uh, We know all this, and yet we just want to acknowledge you and and thank you for gathering us, but also uh, thank you for wanting to teach us on how to pray, how to have this conversation with you on a daily basis. And so you gave us what we call the Lord's Prayer. We thank you for that. And as we continue to learn, uh, may we just uh, ingrain it all the more into our hearts as to how it shapes and forms how we live in gratitude um, for all that you have done 
for us. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, Lord's Day number 51. I'll read the question and then you can respond together with the answer. And I'll read along with you for the sake of the recording. But um, Lord's Day 51, question 126. What does the fifth request mean? Answer, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors means because of Christ's blood do not hold against us poor sinners that we are, any of the sins we do, or the evil that constantly clings to us. Forgive us just as we are fully determined as evidence of your grace in us to forgive our neighbors. Thank you for joining in that. Please follow along as I read now. Isaiah 55 verses 7 to 9 is somewhat key text for us here today. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That's for the reading of God's word here today and all God's people said. Amen. Have you ever walked the streets of your neighborhood and wondered what goes on behind closed doors and shuttered windows? Maybe you heard of the news on the street that there's this one family who lives in abuse. The husband is out of work. And out of patience. He is in despair. He cannot provide for his family well. His sadness turns to anger. And he seeks solace in the bottle of whiskey. He withdraws from his wife and children, caring less and less it would seem for them. And in his anger and in his drunken state, he becomes abusive to his wife. The wife struggles along, bearing not only this burden and the task of raising three children, but also the daily hurts heaped on her by her so-called Christian parents, who refuse to talk to her and blame her for the whole situation. She becomes so depressed that she can hardly live another day. Somehow, the lines to God have been blocked. She has no connections with God anymore. She is unable to perceive the Holy Spirit at work and receive the reconciliation that he could provide. Restoration back to God seems impossible, not to mention restoration with her husband or her parents. Her parents could use a dose of the Holy Spirit as well. So who goes first? Who should take the first step in reconciliation? Is it the husband? Is it the wife? Is it her parents? Who forgives first? 
Now, I did plan a table talk for this, but I think it's a really touchy, heartfelt subject to kind of share around the table. So I'm not going to ask you, but I do want to ask you the question. Who should take the first step in reconciliation? Is forgiveness even possible? Where does forgiveness find its source? What is at the heart of forgiveness? Well, what all three have in common is the need to be loved and to love. Misguided love in one, lost love in the other, all but seemingly unobtainable love for the, for the last. Yet the need for love lies deep within all. So let's talk about the source of forgiveness first. The Heidelberg Catechism says that because of Christ's blood, we are forgiven, cleansed of all filth that would cling to us. Yes, because of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. It is in his sacrifice that we see that we are forgiven. That's what he came to do, to reconcile us with God the Father. Jesus Christ is the epitome, the highlight, the absoluteness of God's love for us. And because of his love, we can live lives free, unhindered by our own actions or inactions against God. Jesus lived that we might know the way to God the Father. Jesus died so that we are forgiven. Jesus rose so that we could be restored, resurrected so to speak, back to God. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Now the question might arise in your mind, if I've been forgiven, why should I pray to be forgiven each and every day? It's a good question. Christ died once. We don't need to crucify him all over again, do we? He doesn't need to die again every day, does he? Some people look at Christ's sacrifice as a fully paid for life insurance plan. It's fully paid. There's no more payments. There's no more levies. No more. We are secure. Well, I suggest that we think about God's love for us with a different metaphor. Christ's sacrifice, the forgiveness bestowed upon us, is more like a soft and warm quilt that covers us and protects us from the elements. God, love, it wraps around us, keeping us safe and secure. And with that security, with that confidence, we can brace the cold, hard world. And with that comfort, we can live life well and to the full. Or, or maybe Christ's own metaphorical teaching can help us discern God's forgiveness once and for all for us. On the night before Jesus died, he washed his disciples' feet. 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 <laughs> and when he got to Peter, Peter said, Lord, if you're going to wash me, then wash all of me. And Jesus replied, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you, Peter, are clean. So Christ's blood washes away all of our sins. And so we pray this fifth petition daily like a ritual foot washing as a confession of our daily sins. Knowing that our lives are completely restored to full relationship with God. 
we're all clean, yet we need to ensure every day just take, you know, a little bit of foot washing and take off that little bit of filth that might cling to us. But daily sins, <laughs> what are those anyways? Well, one version of the Lord's Prayer says debtors, and the other version says trespasses. So which one best describes the sins that we do? Well, actually, both. Debts are the good that we have not done, thus they are sins of omission. Trespasses are the times that we missed the mark or have actually and outright broke the law, thus they are the sins of commission. So it truly doesn't matter which way you say it, but probably best to think of both as sins, the bad that we have done and the good that we have not done. So as we now transition from understanding forgiveness to acting on that knowledge, we look at the phrase, as we forgive others. We could focus on the word as and translate it as while. Forgive our trespasses while we forgive those who trespass against us. Or we could think of it as because. Forgive us our debts because we have forgiven others their debtors. Now I think that this is putting the proverbial cart before the horse. So because the word as suggests a cause and effect, when we come to appreciate the fact that God has forgiven us, it is only then that we can forgive others truly. As God has forgiven us, so also do we forgive others. But you know, this whole notion of forgiveness tests our imagination, doesn't it? It seems to go beyond our reasoning. How, how can God forgive so much that has been done against him? So yes, we should wonder at the gift of grace, otherwise known as forgiveness. Now, if we find it hard to believe, or even if we don't find it hard to believe, a little bit of wonder is good for us. And I think that's what the Lord is getting at in Isaiah 55. Verse 8 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. And the Lord also said in verse 9, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And these verses cause us to wonder. God is more than we can think or imagine. I think that much is clear. But this declaration of higher ways and thoughts comes right after verse 7, which speaks all about forgiveness when it says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and he, the Lord, will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. The Lord will have mercy on him. The Lord will freely pardon. His ways, his thoughts, his purposes are more than we will ever know. And that's exactly where we get stuck. We look at a situation like the one I described at the start of this message, and we know who should take the first step. We know who needs to ask for forgiveness. But there in our heart and in our mind, we say, no way. Who can forgive such brutality? And that's exactly where God steps in and says, 
I will have mercy on them. I will freely pardon them. And we look at that and we wonder. So God says to us, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And neither are my ways your ways. You see, God would forgive such evil. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's ways higher than our ways. And his forgiveness higher than our forgiveness. So yes, God's ability to forgive calls for a little bit of wonder in all of us. And so we are called to forgive. Even if it calls for a little bit of wonder on our part, we are asked to forgive as we have been forgiven. We are asked to forgive because we have been forgiven. It's a choice we make. Despite harm or hurt, despite the audacity of the trespass, despite the size of the debt, we are called to forgive. And yet, we hesitate. We think the other person should go first. This cartoon probably depicts removing the plank from one's eye first before removing the speck from another's eye. And so you see the little boy is being blamed for dropping his ice cream on her shoe. Meanwhile, her ice cream is dropping on her mother's shoe. But I think it also speaks to a progression of forgiveness. We tell ourselves and we tell our friends that the perpetrator should ask for forgiveness because there is no way I'm going to forgive unless they make the first step. Now, we could debate this. And we could say things like, you know, holding out on forgiveness only hurts you. You know, unforgiveness trapped in you will only result in anger. And it will only fester in you if you do not take the first step. But our catechism says, in small print, in an inserted phrase, it says, as evidence of the grace in us. When we take the first step in forgiveness, when we forgive others despite our resistance, we demonstrate that a higher power exists in us which enables us to forgive others. Evidence of grace. Forgiveness is strong evidence of the love that is within us. It is quite unmistakable when it is present, but it's also quite stark when it is not there. I remember when one of the Hart brothers fell from a rope in the arena from which they were holding a WWF professional wrestling match. The wife of Owen Hart, he died by the way, the wife of Owen Hart was quite upset, angry to say the least. And the whole nation knew it when she spoke to the news broadcasters. And she said on live television that whoever was responsible would pay. Forgiveness was the last thing on her mind. I remember the school shootings that happened in Tabor, Alberta. It was the same year as Owen Hart died, 1999. 
Jason Lang's father and mother went on record rather quickly that they forgave the boy, Todd Smith, who shot their son. The nation was amazed, but also in doubt, even when at the funeral forgiveness was spoken. As Dale Lang, the father, traipsed across the country speaking words of forgiveness, it became very evident that forgiveness was there and it was real. And for those who listened, they heard that it was because of the love of God that forgiveness was possible. Evidence of grace within us. Forgiveness demonstrates the love of God, but also the love for God and His ways. Now, I mentioned two weeks ago that the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread, is the core theme of our prayer series, encouraging us to trust God. Well, this fifth petition about forgiveness is the epitome of love, shown to us in the sacrifice of Jesus. And it encourages us to forgive others because God has forgiven us. Or, as C.S. Lewis stated it, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Amen. Allow me to remind you about Zambia and our partnership with Mazameo. When I was in Lusaka, Zambia, a friend of our partnership there told me the history of Zambia and why it was such a beautiful country. He told me that when Zambia gained independence, they chose not to exact revenge on the colonialists. No, they chose a peaceful path for their nation. And one of the ways that they demonstrated peace was to choose a third-party language, language, English, as one and, and they did not choose one of the 70 or so dialects within the country. So they chose a third party so there would be no fighting amongst the tribes as to who had the power, so to speak. It was in this way that re they remained non-partisan to one tribe or another. They then deliberately, intentionally set out to be peacemakers within their own country. And they have been so successful that neighboring countries have asked them to assist in peacemaking efforts in those countries. All this because they chose forgiveness instead of revenge. And so when this Christian nation recites the Lord's Prayer, I believe that they take the fifth request to heart and they live it out. So here to share the Lord's Prayer with us today is Reverend William Zulu, the Executive Director of the Reformed Church of Zambia and speaking in his own native tribal tongue of Chichewa. Akati watu wakumwamba, zina lanu ndiele sedwe, ufumu wanu uze. Ufuna kwanu kuchitidwe, monga kumwamba, chomwe chopansi pala. Mutipase iferero, chakijajatu chalero. Ndipo mtikrulukile ife, manga wa atu. Monga ife, nsota krulukila, amanga wa atu. Musatitengire ife, kwa katiyesa. Koma mtipulumuse ife, kwa oipayo. Chifuka wanu uli ufumu. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this recording. Just a reminder that you can find our website at rivercommunity.ca. 
There you can find our events calendar with information about upcoming messages and gatherings, or sign up for currents. Feel free to send us a message on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Our services start 10 o'clock Sunday mornings, and you are welcome to come early for coffee, tea, and bagels. Have a great week. Bye-bye.